0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi,
1: I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Mick Lavelle is my guest today and we'll be taking your calls on everything from box hedging, well, the problems of box hedging, fluorescent beetles, have you seen any? and hydrangeas. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden and not forgetting plant of the week. Coming up as well, we've got some of those events that you could be going out to. Open gardens and horticultural club meetings. So why not send those along to me two weeks in advance? Ken.Crowther at bbc.co.uk Going straight to your calls now, and this week we start with Beryl, and she's in Benfleet. Well,
2: um, I've, I've had a box a hedging mm-hmm. for about 20 years, yes. and this week, its I don't know what's happened to it, the other day it was all green, well, like part of it, you know, the way I've got it designed, and it's all gone horrible, as it's, though it's, it's dying.
1: Right. Have you? Is it? Has it gone webby and grey and lost yes. a lot of leaf? Yes. Yeah. It's box
0: box caterpillar. Unfortunately,
1: it's a lov- it's a lovely moth, but it's yeah. got a nasty oh. caterpillar, hasn't it? Indeed, I yeah, gonna,
2: yeah. I was going to dig it out.
1: <laughs> well, you've got your work cut out getting rid of it. It is yeah. a very oh, right. uh, very strong caterpillar. Mm. Yeah. The only that I know of is Bug Clear Ultra is one of the only recommended um, sprays to get rid of it.
2: Because mm. oh, it's the only
1: systemic be- yeah. insecticide. I've taken,
2: a, I've taken a photograph of it mm-hmm. because I'm going down to me at Ultra Cultural today, this afternoon. So I'm hoping that, you know, someone might well,
1: be able to... Well, I like you're saying. bug clear yeah. ultra or pick them off and get rid of them. Hmm.
0: But you oh, need no. to be very virulent. Well, the problem, the problem is with um, the caterpillars as well is that you, it, it's so prevalent now because so many people have been growing box. The only thing which will yeah. reduce the numbers of the adult moths which are flying around laying the eggs oh, is right. when all the um, boxes are uh, taken out and die, you know, because there's yeah. such a huge amount of food mm. for them. It's just yeah. become enor- enormously... Um, uh, virulent across Europe in the last few years. It and it
2: also we, I've got um, um, Aquilegia
0: mm-hmm.
2: in the garden and that's all gone.
0: No did not like the dryness and the, um, the dry oh, the spring doesn't suit them. I've got about oh, three varieties planted out in one of the gardens at the university grounds and um, Two of them have really languished this year. and They're only three years old, so this should, should be fine still. One yeah. has actually uh, done better, but it's in a slightly better position, slightly cooler position where it's in. It's oh, just, they, just don't, yo, then. they don't yeah. like this hot, dry spring.
2: Rightio, then. All right. Rightio. Thanks ever so much for your help. Well,
1: no I haven't been, a, haven't been a great <laughs> help because <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're,
1: we're suggesting you spray, spray and spray. Yeah. And it, it, it is a real problem, isn't it? It's a major it problem. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it's, as you say, it's come from southern southern Europe, hasn't
0: it? Yes, it's spread up and over the last uh, 15 or so yeah, years, I think. got yeah. in here about 11 didn't it? 2011, mm-hmm. something like that? It's uh, It's not got to Chelmsford yet, but it's, it's surrounding us. So like, look, the, uh, the university, we're bit, we feel a bit like uh, it's a last bastion of a box. I was going
1: to say, over at Willingale, there's a terrible yeah. attack over there with lots of box, and they're working really hard trying to get rid of it. But uh, it's not that easy. Um, now let's go over to John in Upminster. So hello. John? Good morning. What can we do for you, John? You've half,
3: you half uh, said the answer to my problem, which is uh, the box break Yep. But what I want to know
1: is if I take it out of the big tub that is in my garden outside it, the front door. It's, it's difficult, Mick, isn't it? I mean, do you keep working at it and try and get rid of it and eradicate it? What do you think?
0: My inclination is that um, at the moment, the problem is we've got too, too, much, uh, too box. much box, and it's if, if you uh, manage to control it one year, it's just going to come back the next, because there's, there's just so much of the, um, uh, the food for the, the, the caterpillar itself, and um, I would be inclined to sort of think it depends what you want your box for. If, it, if it's what's it, what are you using it for? Is it a it's low hedge or and it, no? Or it's it's in, it's in a tower, no, just like an ornament. In ornament, it yeah. 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 There, are, there are other things you can use.
1: Yew tree works um, really well, doesn't you, it?
0: If you want to, to clip it into some sort of a shape, U, uh, some type of euonymus, some of the pillar euonymus, uh, which have been uh, bred, are reasonably good for that. Um, if you want something for the foliage, hebes have been suggested. Lonicera is another one. is very. Uh,
1: we're putting in a lot. Lot more lenistra hedges yeah. than oh. than box now we're not yeah. using box we're using lenistras
0: and also euonymus yeah another one it's a bit slow growing So box i have said that mm-hmm. is um ilex crenata yeah which in a tub would be good it doesn't always do well in some soils but in a that's tub right. you can grow it in there uh, like, it's without a bit acid it's so an
1: acid lover yeah, again you, can, you just get
0: yourself um, a, a john in uh, ericaceous mix and uh, it should do well in there does that help the same soil that's already in the tub well, I mean, you can. I mean, what right. I would tend to do is to, to, to always renew. If you're putting something new in there, give it the best yeah. chance from the start. Okay? I mean, if you were buying a new house and you found out that the first floor of the house was actually the house which had been demolished before its first floor, but they built a new second floor and roof, you'd think, hmm, hold on. Why, why couldn't I just get a new house? And I think it's the same when you, the same uh, logic when you're putting in um, shrubs. In very big tubs, sometimes you might leave a little bit of the old compost if it was a John and his type, but. Uh, that cost no. saving sometimes is just not worth it. In just the long renew term. it for
1: another four or five yeah. quid pounds. Yeah. Renew it. All right could, then, John. You can use geraniums there? You can use anything in there, yeah. but it's just we suggest that you you basically use a new new compost just to give it a bit of a boom.
0: Yeah, yeah mean, oh. geraniums. Uh, if if you you know you think about the pelargoniums, are only summer display, So you you're then putting yourself into a situation where you're going to be keeping on planting new things. But yeah, you can put whatever you like in the tub.
1: Now you can, commercially, you can use a, is it bacillus? Therugien- Thurugiensis. Ther- you
0: can use this as an amateur as well, you can get it, but you have to get it by mail order. If you go into some of the larger garden centres, they don't sell it, do they? Um, no, you, what you get is you usually have a little card where you pay for it and send it off and they send it through the post. It's It comes as a wettable powder. It's a bacteria which actually poisons the caterpillars. It's one they used to use on cabbage whites years ago. Yeah, it used it to is. be on the market,
1: but then they took it off, didn't they?
0: It's been around for about 50 years. So what I would suggest is you go and make inquiries about it because it's not restricted in the sense that there's nothing toxic about it for using it but it's a biological control agent. I know to some people that sounds horrifying but actually that's what most of all your salads and things like that have biological control. (laughs) It's just one of these things it's it's environmentally sustainable so it's worthwhile looking on the back the adverts in the back of things like the Garden magazine or any of the Consumer magazine see what there is there.
1: They are, there's another option for people. Um, Joyce from Colchester, you've got some beetles you wanted to talk about, is that right Joyce?
4: Yes please they're fluorescent, about half inch big, flying beetles. Are they are bright going green? Into my roses.
0: Are they bright green, are they? A bright yes, green okay. but iridescent colour, yeah, it's rose chafer. Yes. They're the, the, the flying at the moment. I live in Colchester, I saw one um, yesterday. You Pointed saw some...
4: one? Well, I, oh, yeah. I sat Thursday in my garden yeah. and uh, watch them going in, and what I do is I knock them out into a jar of water. I Knocked out altogether during the day, about 20.
0: Yeah, there they, they seem to be uh, plenty of them this time of the, uh, the, the year. They, they are a bit prolific this year. But like I said, I saw one, it wasn't on a rose or anything, just saw one flying around, it landed. But they, um, they're a seasonal sort of uh, nuisance. They, bit... they do eat the leaf, don't they? Yeah, they chirp yeah, them, yeah. Well,
4: mine go right uh, One of them, well, I can see them from my kitchen looking up the garden, I can see them in there, and i run up, and one of them had four. In
1: there? Mm. Oh, it will. They'll have several. Um it's, it's I mean,
4: inside the rose.
1: Oh, in the yeah. row, they do eat the scent. They can eat the petal yes. as well, can't yeah, they? Yeah, petal, yeah, they? yeah. I mean, all oh. you well, you either let nature take its course because they're here now. They'll then disappear, won't yeah, they? Well, yeah. One of the
0: common names for chafers
1: is June bugs. And, this and, month, and, isn't yeah, it? They are yeah. June early. early. July. Yeah. They're
0: early. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned
4: chafer bee beetle. Yeah. Did you?
0: It's, it's called a rose chafer but there are several yes, different chafers yes, there I've are been, some i've been get, looking
4: up into my readers digest and i found that but it said it's a white beetle i thought well that's not it they're definitely not mm.
0: no white. there's a there's a green there's a green a bright green one yeah
4: yep. now is there anything i can do
0: you could to be, to yes get you, get you could use them? you could use an
1: insecticide a contact insecticide on them or a bug clear ultra one of those Clear Preva-
3: Ultra there's
1: bugclear Clear Ultra, there's Provado you could use just an insecticide if they're mm. really worrying you, but I know Mick was saying really just
0: they, they are th- a seasonal thing, there seem seasonal. to be more of them this year, but it's there's the a san- lot of more more of everything okay, it's the sandy soils around cultures, there's quite a lot of sandy so- light soils and chafers love that type of ground
1: ok, we're going to move on and we're going to talk to Rosemary uh, in Charleston, then we're going to go to the travels, so Rosemary what you got for us yeah
5: well, last week on the BBC Ethics News on Sunday, they were talking about this—I uh, don't know what it is, uh, infestation of like white marshmallow blobs, and there's also like a little creature or something crawling up the stems of the hydrangeas. It's Why al- were that?
0: It's I, I, I missed of- it uh, on the news. Now, but no, what- they were talking about the—everyone um, the, uh, seen where cuckoo spit was. Which is like around the uh, the larvae of the um, the frog hopper, and it
1: is very very heavy this year.
0: Yeah, and what it's the? Very, it's not why...
5: like marshmallow. It's not like spittle. Right, it's we're spitties. talking about
1: two different things here. Then, I... All right. yeah, Did you think white... the news was talking about cookie spit? I Well, would the have cookie thought. spit thing
0: really? was about charting the spread of xylella, oh. and uh, there's the concern that the um, that the, the, the insect larvae of these frog hoppers, which um, which make this cookie spit, that actually might transmit the uh, the xylella. Uh, which disease. is the
1: problem with the plants. Yeah.
0: Now, know about that? If it's not that. It's I don't know about the other story. Well, the other one,
1: one <laughs> will be hydrangea. It would be um, not it either. Well, scale. It could mm. be scale. Yeah. Or it could be woolly aphid.
0: Yeah. Well, scale's more likely. I think it's on more likely scale. Here. Hydrangea
1: scale. There I think like it m- doesn't
5: muscles. look like a bug when you the no. actual no. thing. It doesn't look like a bug, but there's all this white.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, white mussel scale. It, a, um, it has a, a, a small brown scale when that's it, it, it's first. And then yeah. it starts to lift up, and all this white furry that's mass it. comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's white mussel scales, but it, it's not just on hydrangeas. You it, also find it on limes and some other uh, street uh-huh. trees. It's become. It's, it's one of these things. That as, as the climate's got warmer, it's started to occur more and more. I first saw it in London in the 1990s. What you do yeah. with a
1: hydrangea is you cut out a very any old wood right deep i know it'll reduce your flowering you cut it out and get rid of it and burn it or get rid of it completely from to Mm. the council Mm. and then you can spray i hate to keep saying it but it is um <laughs> uh you're gonna spray with an insecticide. Yeah,
0: it's something you can oh. treat on, something like a hydrangea If you once you get it you onto trees it off, and things like that, yeah, you can remove them by hand. It's a bit um but once you get it on trees it's very difficult to deal with. Yeah, well, okay. i have been
5: sort of rubbing them off, you know, but yeah. um, I didn't know what I could use, I've been using a bug clear thinking it was a bug, but it don't look like a bug. No, it is is a bug,
1: and your best one will be Bug Clear Ultra, because it's systemic, which means it goes inside the plant, and the scale is sucking at the sap of the plant. So that's the way forward. Let's look at Plant of the Week, and I'm going to go for Escalonia. They're all in bloom at the moment. It's a genus of shrub. It's native from North and South America, but it grows very well in the Northern Hemisphere. It's often used as a hedging, but forms a great shrub in a shrub border. It can grow, well, about nine foot high if you let it, but it's best pruned on an annual basis after flowering. Grows nine to 12 inches in a year, so it's quite a vigorous grower. Um, It's got a glossy sort of green leaf, um, fairly ovate. Flowers now right through till, say, September. Small pink to crimson flowers, and often they're fragrant. Not all of the varieties are actually hardy. Some of them aren't. Some of them drop leaves if it's very cold indeed. But the good thing about them is they're tolerant of coastal conditions. Very useful on the east coast here. Good varieties are one called apple blossom, donard seedling, donard radiance and crimson spire. They're best grown in full sun and well-drained soil, but they'll tolerate fairly average conditions. And as I said, they're tolerant of these coastal conditions, but don't put them where they're going to get a really harsh cold wind because they'll get burnt. Other than that, Escalonia. Go on, spoil yourself. Plant one in your garden, or next time you're thinking of having an ornamental hedge, buy some. Plant a hedge of it and enjoy them. Hello, Lynn in Great Clacton. Is it sunny? Of course, it's sunny in Clacton. Always is, isn't it? It's always sunny. (laughs) It's always sunny. Guaranteed
3: on your rates.
1: (laughs) Right, what are we going to do for yourself today then?
5: Three hopefully easy questions. I'm going out to buy compost for two different plants tomatoes and japonicas. And the other question Hang is, on,
1: hang on, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yes. You said Japonica. Japonica is the second name of the family of a family, so
0: it's a species name, it's a species name, so we don't know what family is it, it belongs. Camellia Camellia japonica, yep,
1: fine. I'm
5: going out to buy compost for a camellia japonica and tomatoes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: can I buy two different sorts?
0: Uh, You'll have to really. The uh, camellia will want um, you want to get a John type, but an Ericaceous type for it. Yeah. uh, Because it needs to um, to stay in that soil for some time. It doesn't like a lot of lime. It won't put up with lime. The tomatoes um, traditionally used to use John compost for tomatoes. Not really done now. You can just get. It doesn't really matter that much what um, compost you use for them if you're going to grow them in pots, provided you give them the right feeding regime.
5: Oh I have got so, some tomato food. That was the other question. I bought some uh, some tomato food. Can I use that on other plants?
0: Yes. You can yeah yeah I mean, anything well, that flowers, isn't it? It's 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 basically a high potassium fertilizer. So you you use it once the fruit starts to set. So use a general purpose fertilizer up until you start to get the first uh, flower trusses uh, appearing and then start to use the tomato food and use it according to instructions. Oh,
3: jolly good. All right, Lynn. Yes,
6: thank you very much.
1: Not a problem. That's a pleasure. Lynn in sunny Great Clacton. And now we go to Val in Hullbridge. Hello, Val.
6: Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, I've got a, a problem with, um, I've got a large uh, Leylandi that's um, about 25, 30 feet high. But I've decided to keep it because pigeons um, live in it and nest in it. Um, so I'm raising, um, I'm taking the lower branches away. Um, and the ground underneath is completely bare, apart from a tree peony and some euphorbias that are self-seeding and doing very well.
1: All right, and you've done um, well getting them to grow, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah.
6: Um Obviously, it's very dry. Um, it's south-facing, but it's obviously quite shady. Um, I'm hoping to let more light in as I take the last lower branch off. Um, have you got any suggestions for what I can plant under there? Give it a bit of colour.
0: It's very difficult because what happens under a is the, all of the dropping—we don't think of it having needles; it has scales, and will be be—you'll have a very brown, sort of dusty quality to the soil underneath, even if you're on clay. Put and loads it's quite a lot of compost under
6: it. Well, so the, I've been the, building it up over the
0: years. It's going to be difficult to, to establish things like there if, it, if it's shady and it's dry. The sorts of things you can put in there, you can put in things like, say, for instance, uh, Roos, um, which is the. Um, not Roos. Um, not Roos, no. Roo- uh, oh, oh, it'll come to me in a moment. Hold rubus. On. Butcher's, butcher's broom.
1: Oh, Butcher's broom, um, yes. The um, name won't
0: come to me. Anyway, Butcher's broom. Butcher's broom um, you could put Rubus. Rubus might do, do under Tri-colour there. Tricolor is a ground cover. Yeah. You Vinca? Can also, Vinca is another one, and you could also put in, um, or Cuba. Some good old no. Cuba. Um, like, uh, can cultivars. they give you? Oh,
6: I've got uh, loads of those on the other side. Yeah,
0: Bears yeah. Breeches. No, or Cuba. The juga oh, really? is what you think. Uh, uh, bridge is No, that's um, uh, acanthus. Acanthus.
6: Oh, sorry, yeah.
0: sorry. What's the acuba like? It's a, Cuba, like it's a laurel, but it's variegated. A, yeah, it's got big leaves, and it. it's got. It's uh, you can. Buy, they're very common. You can buy them in the. Um, the garden centre. but you
1: will have to you will have to give them a lot of compost and a lot yes. of water because the land i will be thieving water out of that ground at a rate of knots it really will
6: right. there's there's a plant with purple leaves and and pink flowers on is it panicles course where they're they're like a flat flat plates of flowers would that grow underneath
1: Basically, it, it, they're all going to struggle, aren't they, Mick? Everything's yes. going to struggle under those Lalandai. I mean, generally, if you'd rung up and said you hadn't helped to prepare it already, I'd have said give up, yeah. quite honestly. It is that difficult to get stuff to grow under Lalandai. Yeah,
0: butchers broom's come to dominate. It's ruscus. Ruscus oh, a, Ruscus, R- 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 ruscus aculeatus. Yeah, it's a native plant. It's, it's a bit. It's a bit slow to establish, but but it's not everyone's cup of tea. But it will take that dark, um, sort of a dry environment.
1: Now, if anybody has been successful in getting things to grow under La land and they want to just uh, send them on a text, you can send those on a text to eight one triple three. Start your message with Essex, and then we can help out um, to see whether you know. We can pass the messages on, can't we, Jackie, from Hornchurch? What have you got for us, Jackie?
5: Um, I sent you uh, a sample of my jelly bean heart-shaped uh, seed, and I wanted to, wanted to identify it. I sent you a letter.
1: Yes. Because,
4: yes.
0: Uh, if if we're honest, we don't know. Mm. We don't know. No. No. There's The seeds themselves aren't that distinctive. I mean, it could be from... A whole load of different things. I mean, it, 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 I,
1: I firstly said, is it a pomegranate, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. Because it's it, got a red substance round it, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where,
1: Where did, did you was? get these? I've forgotten.
5: Where did I get them? Yeah. It just grew up um, underneath my large um, hibiscus trees that I've got.
1: Right. And what was it's the just, flower?
5: It, tiny, tiny little flowers. Very sweet, dainty little flowers. Pink? Pink. Pink and
1: yeah, or sort of pink and white. And was the stem ready pink of the plant? No. 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 Okay. No good going
0: you, down that did one. Did you take a picture of the plant? Um, I kind uh, I I can take a picture, but I can't
5: send it to you. <laughs> well, if it, if,
1: well, even if you get it printed, send yeah. give us a picture because the seed is really difficult to identify from a seed. Yeah. Oh, it's right. not something that yes. both jumped, jumped out the bag. Yes, Didn't jump out the bag, and,
5: my, and no, and my not jumping beans. You know, my friend thought, "Oh, look at that!" She said, "It's definitely a heart-shaped jelly bean, isn't it? You know, like a jelly baby sort of thing." You know,
1: mm. it doesn't ring it. It doesn't ring a bell. So, if you can take a picture and send us a picture, even in the post or however, we'll have a look at it and see whether we can get it from there. How the about? Fa-
0: not. The plant. The leaf shape is important, the and, um, the, and the, um, stem. The, the stem. And the stem. And if it's flowering, the flower. No okay. the
5: flowers finished long while. Right, time Jackie.
0: Ago. Stem and leaf, and we'll see what we can do for you. Right.
5: Okay. Thank you very much,
1: Kate. That's a pleasure, Jackie. Sorry we didn't get anywhere with that, but it is very, very difficult to uh, to identify from just a leaf. Sharon from Wickford. Sharon.
7: Good morning, both. Good Morning. I'm ringing you with regard to um, box tree caterpillar. Yes. Uh Now, I'm sitting in my back garden, and I've got quite a lot of box trees. Um, I'm sitting looking at about 30 at the moment in varying shapes that I've grown into spirals, pyramids, a chicken. You name it, I've got it. Yeah. And I found that I had, through a couple of um, eaten patches, that I had box tree caterpillar about two and a half weeks ago. Yep and i've invested oh i think i've spent nearly 170 pounds on products to try and eradicate it it's yep. zentari which i bought off the internet which i believe the growers use and moth trap um also bea provado because i read it on the internet that they suggested that you spray your box trees after you've eradicated the caterpillar every 10 days mm. well I'm thinking is this going to kill my box trees anyway?
0: No. No. Um, no. no. It no. won't, it won't People... have any effect on the uh, plant itself cuz it's, it's a synthetic pyrethroid which is um, based on a, a natural plant product or it's a, a synthetic yeah. form of it. People
1: so. worry about that but that's not a problem no. at all. Unless you do it in bright sun and then you'll scorch the leaf.
7: I always do it at night when the sun is yeah, no, going you're down. You're doing all the
1: right you're doing all the right things.
7: Right. And I've also this year invested in a respirator. With some very good goggles, because oh, right. of reading about all insecticides and everything else, I thought, well, I go down this route because if something kills a caterpillar in a couple of hours, it's got to be pretty potent. So, uh,
0: well, um, it's, the, the what it—I don't want to sound like I'm defending the uh, the pesticide companies Cause, right? Cause no, we're the, quite the, organic. Yeah, but, but basically, it's, there's something. There's a plant called a pyrethrum. You may be aware of it, and they have uh, a. a a set of um, alkaloids and corpyrethroids. And they were identified, oh, 35, 40 years ago as being potentially um, useful for pest control. The problem with the pyrethroids is what they do is they, they prevent a communication with the nerve endings in the, um, the, the caterpillar. So what was happening with pyrethroids was it was only temporary. So you'd spray things with, the synthetic pyreth- with these pyrethroids. All the beetles or whatever else would fall off. It looked satisfyingly quick. But 20 minutes later, they'd all come back round again and start feeding. So they, they started to use, for some of the more persistent things, uh, synthetic ones which are more effective. So they are a pesticide and they are a natural product from that point of view, so if you're organic you wouldn't use them, but they're not something which affects people. Don't start drinking it. And it's not a bad idea to have a, a respirator no, to, to make sure you're not breathing it in, you know, because there's all sorts mm. of other wetting agents and things like that in with it. But as long as you use a product carefully and according to instructions, it should be safe. So, I mean, I'm not yeah. saying don't use a respirator. Always use gloves. Preferably wear well. something which you can then put in a washing machine afterwards. But mm. they're, they're not really that risky because, in all fairness, amateurs may misuse a product more uh, than and a professional would because we're restricted by also as a legal obligations. So they can't sell anything which is too pokey to amateurs simply because they may misuse it. So you, you can use it as long uh, as you use
1: it with the instructions you find. And we're roughly second in the world for our stringent rules mm. on garden chemicals. <laughs> yeah. So we're very, very strict indeed. Yeah. So Sharon, okay. I wish you luck because as we were saying earlier in the programme, it's a major problem. Mm. Right. I, well,
7: well, I'm an RHS member and I'm going to report it later on today.
1: Yeah. Well, I yeah.
7: I it's have not been gonna, having my neighbours and things, you know, it, to look out for it.
1: It's not going to go away. Yeah. No. It's not going to go away, and it'll be back next year. And whether you've got rid of it or not, I reckon it'll still be back next you year. Just gotta you just
0: got to keep on getting rid of it, yeah. It's not one of those things, Keep going
1: on and on. So, Sharon, thank you for your call. That's a very interesting one. And we go now to Gordon in Leonsea. Hello, Gordon.
3: Uh, good morning to both of you, morning. Um, I bought four gems, Mrs Bradshaw variety,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Um I've put two over the one side of the garden, two the other side, well one side is in shade, yeah. um, almost permanent shade, and one's in almost permanent sunshine, Yeah. and the ones, I mean this may be an obvious answer <laughs> to this, but the ones in the shade are going though the clappers and beautiful, uh, uh, really nice, bushy and lovely. The ones in the sun are just fading away.
0: Yeah,
3: they, they don't like sun or.
0: Uh, they're, a, they're a woodland edge plant oh, really They're like, yeah. they're like um, dappled, dappled shade, shade Or, or, or part, what we call part shade Which means it's only sunny for some of the day And um, uh, in they, those situations With things like GMs, because they're a woodland plant It's better off if we only get the sun in the morning Rather than late afternoon When the sun gets hottest Because that's where most of the damage is done When you're baking sun in the afternoon So um, make sure that if you've got anyone else growing GMs Light shade is the thing So yeah, dappled yeah, shade well, or... Okay. Uh,
3: the, the two in the shade grew, you know, really well, so that's
0: the answer. I guess it probably was that, but I wanted to be sure. You know. the they like a moist is, and uh, well-drained yeah. soil as well. The only thing
1: you can do to sort of help them along if they're in sun, is actually put a good amount, soak them when you yeah. plant them, and then mulch around them with about three inches of mulch hmm. around the actual plant, so they're actually, you're putting them in a moister condition. Yeah. That will yeah. help. So
3: they do get... Uh, sun all day from morning to night. Too day, hot, I
0: really. Yeah. It's a too hot yeah. a position. Yeah. But no, the, never mind, that's was... an opportunity to find another plant to put in there instead. <laughs> OK, then Gordon.
1: <laughs> Thanks very much for your call. That's Gordon who's given us a call on 0800 4041. We've got a couple of lines free at the moment. That's 0800 40 4041. Uh, give a call now and we'll call you back. Send a text as well to eight one triple three. Start your message with the word Essex and we will talk gardening all the way through till twelve. Um and we're gonna talk oh sunny South End with Steve. Steve, what do you got for us today?
8: Good morning, both of you. money um, tree, three quick things. Money tree um, can I feed it?
0: Yes. You can feed any plant. As long as you don't overfeed it, it's fine. Money tree. You mean the crassula, the one with the big fat leaves on it? Uh, well there's they're very really small no last but are they the one- right. what
8: all the leaves fell off but they've got all new shoots coming on and, uh, yeah, but, it, but is, is, yeah. is it
0: an indoor succulent one we see money tra- flesh yeah. yes, Fle- yeah, the, the yeah. fleshy so one you see in Chinese yeah.
1: Chinese restaurant yeah, yeah
0: yes <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yep feed but don't uh, as Mick said, don't overfeed because then it becomes okay. soft and it will go sappy. Yeah, they, they, like, they like
0: to be a little bit on a drier side yes. through the winter, so you don't feed them then. So feed them all through the summer and feed them right. regularly. Um, not, not, don't the uh, half strength twice as often is better than uh, than, than giving the, the average sort of big uh, blast in one go. Right. Okay. Uh, right.
8: Outdoor azalea. Yep. Uh, I've had it about three years and it's getting less and less flowers on it. Do
0: I need to prune it? Right.
1: Is where it, Where it, is it? Is it in a container or in the ground? It's
0: in a big pot. Yeah. Um. You probably need to feed it. You need to make yep. sure that it's in a... Uh, feed it with um, a, a, an ericaceous feed as well. Make sure... Right. You, you can buy this from the garden centre. Uh, good idea to get uh, a, a, a little bottle of sequestering as well and give yep. it a sequestering tonic because it needs the iron in the, the soil. Uh, pull away the compost from the top and if you've got some leaf mould or some, some good well-rotted uh, compost, as long as it's acidic put that on the top. Don't start pruning it because if you say it's no. flowering less and less it's, it's showing it's not quite as happy as it should be. Right, and okay. you can always next spring, when the flowers uh, buds start to appear, nothing wrong with putting a bit of tomato food down on it at that point. Right, okay.
8: Right, lastly I phoned you last week about runner beans and, and I was told to be patient. Yes? When I, when I went out to put them to bed Saturday night, I said, Ken said, be patient. <laughs> and Sunday morning, I opened them up again on my cold frame, and five had stuck their head up.
1: See? See? <laughs> the marvels the of radio, it's, you it's see. The
0: power of Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't believe
1: it. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah, done. Well, well. Good one. <laughs> yeah,
8: they're, they're doing well now, Ken. Thanks that- very much.
1: Back to gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Ah, Mick has got some top tips on what you could be getting on with in the garden. So where do we
0: start, Mick? Well, June's always the time when we put our bedding out, traditionally. And um, if you have managed to wait until all frost chances have passed and you're now thinking of putting it out, there's some lovely plants available. Either you've grown them yourselves or you've gone out to a local nursery or garden centre and bought them. And often they've got the first flowers appearing on them and you can get all excited about it. My top tip is to nip them out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you plant them. People hate doing that, don't they? Oh, they do, yeah, but the thing is you'll get far better plants. The plant will put uh, more concentrate more of its efforts into growing roots because the, the acceleration of the bud growth and the side shoots will stimulate more rooting, so they establish quicker, you get more flower on them, you get a better display over a longer period.
1: So they are. Now, uh, when they're in the ground, okay, we've prepared the ground properly, we've done all that, and we've got the bending plants in either tubs yeah. or in the ground, then what?
0: Well then, I mean the main Come thing on. is we feeding just water them. them. Oh, we got to feed them yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean watering is important. I mean, especially now it's not raining. I think if you put bedding into the ground, if you've prepared the ground and put organic matter in there and given it a feed beforehand, it's maybe not quite as crucial in the first few weeks. But we, you see all the claims on the compost bags say 6 months of feeding there. Um, do not depend on that. You really need to start feeding them. Feed them uh, really quite well um, from around about two weeks after you've established them. Water them at first to encourage the roots to start to move out into the compost and then start to apply a feed. And my tip actually with um, feeding, I say feed them well, it's to feed them twice as often with half the strength of um, fertilizer.
1: That does work better, than it? It
0: does because it, otherwise it can build up and you can get a build up of um, salts and what we call antagonisms where some nutrients become less available. You often see purpling of the leaves and this is a, a, phosph- uh, a potassium lockup and things like that. So, so make sure that you uh, give them a, a nice gentle feed uh, little and often is the, uh, is the trick.
1: Little and often. Thank you there, Mick. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, Terry from Blackfen. Is it Blackfen? Or... Yeah, Blackfen. Where's Black... Oh, right. Elton. Hello? Yes, what can we do for you? Uh,
3: every year I put my my onions in, we say yeah. onions. They start growing and every year they break off bend
1: over and break off. Yeah. Now, right, mm-hmm. at what stage do they bend over and break off?
3: Oh, they must be about a foot high now, at least, you know what I mean?
0: Mm. And these are from sets?
3: Yeah, sets, and every year they just bend over and snap off.
0: Have they got any sort of, there's um, white rust sometimes affects uh, them. have you got any sort stem, of uh, like a little downy growth and a softening of the stem where they're falling over?
3: Not really, no, no. Because
0: mm. that's the common...
3: Cool...
1: At the moment,
0: but they have started breaking up, you know, and every year, they, you know, they. Because well, that's the wind, usual, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, no- normally you get this. let's say white, white onion rust, and it's um, it it affects a lower part near the soil, uh, and um, you'll you'll get a sort of softening of the the stem where it's affecting it, and it's it's a fungal disease, and unfortunately, there's not really a lot you can do about it, um, you. you you most don't grow, just don't, don't grow onions well that's what know. I was
1: thinking actually if it's happening every year that's mm. what it sounds like because yeah. it'll stay in the soil yeah. and therefore every time you plant it's repeating itself
3: because mm. I do plant them in the same place every year. Oh, well, that's it, yeah. the
0: problem. We, you need to change the area completely. Uh, you need to stop growing them for about in that place for about four to five years to get to make sure it's uh, gone. And if you grow them nearby to there, it can just transfer to the next plot. And that sounds awful, doesn't it? You know, but I mean, uh, the thing is, you'd have to grow something other than onions. Yeah, I
3: grow potatoes next to them every same place,
1: like you know. You're best to rotate all the time yeah. with every crop. You really will help your veg plot no end. All right, then. Okay? Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Terry from Blackfen near Eltham, he said, didn't he? Eltham. Mm. Talking of vegetables, how tall should I let my runner beans grow before the pinch the top's off? Do I have to remove side shoots? That's Helen in Newham. No,
0: you, you you leave well alone the whole thing, not you? You pinch them out when they get to the top of the wigwam or the frame, or whatever. Once if we start to grow beyond where you can support them, you pinch them out then. You shouldn't need to pinch them out at all for a good few weeks yet I wouldn't have thought really the only thing
1: you might pinch out is when it's young if you want to grind up several canes and get side
0: shoots yeah I mean obviously that's the thing people don't do in the first instance they want to get the tallest bean and they start to think oh there's not many beans on this but like you say if you pinch it out early it'll grow a bit more slowly first uh, part of the season and then you actually get um, really good amounts of growth on it
1: Okay, and now we go to Rita Uh, Rita from Malden hello Rita
4: hello there Uh, Lace Wings uh, Mm -hmm. Lack Of I've got all the flowers to attract them but I haven't seen them for several years now
0: Uh, They have to be Do you know, it's one of these things I I spend a lot of time talking to wildlife garden uh, Garden groups about wildlife gardens and Things like that the problem is, if you put an elephant attracting plant in your garden, it won't attract any elephants because there are no elephants in Britain. Okay, I know it sounds obvious, but then people say to me, Well, I've put all the plants out to attract whatever. Butterflies but people do, don't they? And they say, If they're not there, they won't be attracted. Um, the thing with lacewings, which is more important than the lacewing attracting uh, flowers, because they are, the, the larvae are carnivorous, so they're great for. Um, aphid control and things like that, but you have to give somewhere for the adults to overwinter. So you get these like lacewing hotels. You can buy oh, them yeah. at great expense or make them considerably cheaper, and you hang these just up bits in, of
1: volcanes you know, and stuff, they are, isn't it?
0: things like yeah. So, so you just you hang these up. They will give them somewhere to overwinter and um, if they do come to the garden they'll find somewhere that the adults can overwinter because the adults have to emerge in the spring and then lay eggs. I see. Yeah, so la- lacewings oh, are relatively good. common but they'll only become really abundant if they get everything they need. I they see. need loads of aphids, that's not a problem this year. Good. Okay, but they need to. They're need. everywhere. But if they didn't oh, overwinter <laughs> in your garden, the um, the, the uh, lacewings, they won't just suddenly appear. They, they have oh. to come from somewhere. They have to come from I last see. year's generation. Thank
4: you. Also, okay. I found an old can of provado ultimate bug killer i uh-huh. haven't used it for ages can i is it still possible to use it is what it do you problem? mean
1: ages i mean is it years oh, and years old
4: yes oh wait a minute there's a no uh, yes several years
1: several uh, years they've yeah, taken yeah. some of the active ingredients out of provado yes. since the one that you've got really yeah. yeah it's, um, I mean, will it work it, in I, theory, I am in a
0: position, I'm sorry to have to say as a professional, I cannot endorse you, you using it. You can't. I, I cannot it's say been, you can't use it because it's up to you, but I cannot endorse you using it.
1: And the question the question I would ask then, Mick, is um, that between us, if you have a product like that, forgetting what the, our advice is, that hmm. the ingredients have been changed, in theory, therefore you shouldn't use it. Hmm. Do they deteriorate if they're kept in a shed? Is they are They, a can, they mean, can, the, can,
0: can't they? The, the, the likelihood is that it'll just become less efficacious in terms of what it's supposed work to do. Well. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you have old stocks of um, pesticides, from the point of view of an amateur, it's not illegal for you to use them because you bought them perfectly illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you found an old bottle of DDT, for instance, that was bought in the 1960s, it wouldn't <laughs> be illegal to possess it. But it's questionable as, as to whether it's, you, it's, it's legal e- to use yeah. it or whether you ought to be using it because mm-hmm. it's a banned product, and so um, what I would suggest is, if you were using it to get rid of it, if you didn't have big stocks of it or anything like that, that's probably not as problematic as if you were trying to get hold of it and use it uh, mm-hmm. in an illicit way. If you've got anyone's got products that we know that are banned now, you can usually um, you contact a local authority and they'll, they'll take them, they'll, they'll they'll take them away. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that they may charge a cost for that, but what you mustn't do is just chuck them in the bin, and you mustn't yeah. pour them down the drain. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, okay. Rita. Does that Thank answer you. your
1: question? Yes, I think it does. And we mm. were—you're quite right because the ingredients have been changed. You have to—you mm. can't recommend the use, Graham from uh, Great Tottenham. Hello, yes. Graham.
3: Hello, Ken. Um, a lady was asking you earlier about growing stuff under eyes.
1: Yes, she and was,
3: could, and you couldn't give her much help. But my wife does it. She's been doing it for about five years. We've got a, a, a long uh, hedge of Leylandi It's about. 30 feet high and we have them trimmed professionally every year um, what she did in front of them they're, they're east facing um, she made a, a little fence out of uh, log roll yeah and she filled it in with potting compost and, and uh, later on we had some trees down and she made a logger a loggery underneath it as well and they're infilled with potting compost and she grows uh, busy lizzies and begonias under there very successfully
0: yeah yeah, I mean, they're growing into the compost, which is, yeah. yeah, so what you're doing is you're giving something additional on top of the soil. That yes. would work, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think
1: they, what we were trying to say, Graham, is that in normal conditions, growing under a low land eye is very, very difficult. I mean, yes, what, what your wife has done there is she's added... Mm. A, decent amount of compost and I think the other lady said she had she been some improving it and, in, and yeah, adding yeah. compost which is why she suggested some shrubs and some ground cover but that's a nice idea putting mm, some yeah. annuals in and getting a lovely show for the summer isn't it yeah Graham that's a great idea and thank mm. you very much for your okay. suggestion well, I'm okay. sure I'm sure she'll be listening with interest Good. Okay. thanks a lot. Lovely. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye there. Uh, Just a quick one on. I've got an email up with a picture. And in fact, that sort of little uh, rose shaped flower, creamy yellow, Mm. creamy yellow outer. And it's got a fern like leaf. Yeah. But it actually we believe it is a a rose. It's come from Jane Ricketts. Mm. it's canary bird it looks it? Like. like it's very difficult bird.
0: sometimes um, you need several photographs to really because uh, so, the problem is you take a photograph there's a photograph and what it looks like to us is um, Rosa canary bird um, a couple more photographs may, you may we could notice something different but our best guess in terms of what it is at the moment is Rosa canary bird
1: ok we move on now to Carl in Purley hello Carl morning Japs i morning. <clears throat> um,
8: I've got a problem. Well, I'm worried about my Christmas tree.
1: No, it's not <laughs> Christmas yet. You haven't got to put it indoors yet, so don't worry.
8: It's about. Um, I've had it about 12 years. Uh huh. And I usually bring it in at Christmas and then take it out again. It frosted up a couple of years ago after I took it back out. Yeah. Mm. And it's never never really grown properly since. You know when the green shoots come out and they go bright green, like shiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're still coming out, only about, I'd say, 50%. The rest of it is a bit straggly.
0: Yeah. Um, the, th- the thing is with um, most conifers, they won't grow from, um, if, it, if it's gone to what we call brown growth, which is all the sort of old woody growth, they, they yeah. can't, um, can't send regenerate water shoots from that out, can which is what's called epicormic growth, which a lot of um, broadleaf things can, but most conifers, with a very few exceptions, most conifers can't do this. And uh, unfortunately, if you, if you say you kept it in there for 15 years, in and out of the house, every Christmas, when you've got your house heated and sort of presumably hanging stuff all over it, I think you've managed pretty well to keep that <laughs> going for 15 years. i think it's always the thing
8: wanted it when it
0: comes in. Of course, yeah. I don't think it, I'm suggesting you've done anything wrong, but the, the, the real issue <laughs> is that that plant goes through a huge amount of stress every Christmas. Yeah. You think it's just you going through the stress at Christmas, but it's been brought into the warmth at a time when it should be out in the cold. And so yeah. that's probably what the real issue is. It's just getting past the stage you can tolerate it have, anymore. Have
1: you repotted it at
0: all?
8: once i've put i've put it into a reasonable size pot but i was thinking maybe it needs another bigger but pot.
1: wouldn't do it now not if it's under stress
0: would you yeah mm-hmm. i mean you, you, no i mean if you were going to repot it you'd repot it in about um, mid-september something like yeah. that as it's going to the cooler evenings again but even at that you you kind of prevent uh, sort of uh, prolonging the inevitable with it Oh. I mean, I, I know it's difficult because, of course, it becomes like a friend of the family sort of thing. This thing that comes <laughs> really? in every Christmas, you know. But it's outside the front door. I see it every time I come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might be an idea to try and put it to repot it and and get another one to start bringing in. Yeah. Another one to, in, yeah. another one to torture for the and next give, fifteen and, years and, and give and this give... one a chance to recover. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. That's Carl from pearly and um,
1: just can you advise on the best fox deterrent on the market that causes no harm or distress to a
0: dog? Oh, well, that's what i was going to say a dog. <laughs> a dog. <laughs> They're the very difficult thing. to stop. They are. Yeah. I mean, I've got one comes and has a sleep in my garden. Really? So just about a compost heap, and occasionally, if it's having a good old sleep, I'll disturb it, and uh, uh, it's I won't go into all the details, but a mirror up at the end of the garden, which I used to stop my dog from getting into next door's garden, and the fox uh, ran up against this just recently, saw this, and started to panic, because not only was it being chased by a human, but a fox was blocking its way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they are oh, difficult. They're, they're very common, they're very bold now. A dog is usually the best thing, because a dog can um, can hold its own against uh, a fox. then <laughs>
1: But if anybody has got sound advice, and I mean sensible advice on that, you mm-hmm. can always uh, text it in on 81333, starting message with the word Essex, just as Maureen has. Um, don't forget their phone number as well. as a line for at the moment on 0800 111 4041. That's 0800 111 4041. Uh, this is an amelanchier tree bought this year. Please help the leaves, brown spots all over them. Amalanchia do Avalanche do get brown spots sometimes, don't they? It's just a leaf spot, isn't
0: mm, it? Yeah, the, the problem with all these leaf spot diseases, especially with things like Amalanchia which are, are deciduous and drop the leaves is that, um, that they, the fungus gets down onto the ground a bit like black spot on roses the fungus gets to the ground and then it just re-emerges again in the spring good hygiene will help to prevent it but w- once you've got it it's very difficult to uh, to remove it because it's um, it's a microscopic thing right. which is you know very good at what it does
1: yes we'll be back to your calls and texts in just a little while but uh, mick has come up with a, a couple of tips earlier on has now got it c- more tips for us so come on where do we start now
0: well it's it's like cutting 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 all the time and one of the things we've got to um to really be thinking of this time of the year is what to do how much to take off plants when to take things off plants and lawns are something which for most people will think this time of the year is the time to start lowering the cut on the mower, especially if they've been watching things like Wimbledon or the Keenong uh, lawn bowls and things like that, and I think you've got to cut the grass short to keep it in good condition. It hasn't rained a lot recently, I mean 14 months and we haven't really had much in the way of significant rain and so of course the ground is naturally very dry now, even if you've been watering it it's still uh, on the dry side and what you actually want is for the grass plants to root down deeply. And the way to do this is to actually not to lower the cut, but to raise the cut so you'll be leaving longer amounts of leaf on the top that will encourage deeper rooting down into the ground your lawn will stay greener for longer if you do this and it will actually be more resilient to uh, to drought. If it goes above 30 degrees for, <laughs> for a number of days your lawn will go yellow whatever height it you will. cut it to but you can at re- least rest at ease knowing you've got healthier plants as a consequence of leaving the cut uh, higher this time of the year So they are, that's cut but don't cut is that right? Indeed. Now, yes, come in on, have we got another cut one? Then? Well, this is the one where people don't think they have to cut, and you need to cut. When you've got these <laughs> spring-flowering shrubs just finished, with all the glory from things like the Wygelas, the Philadelphas, um, it's time now to uh, to give those what we call a judicious pruning. The, flour- the flowering stems which have just finished, they need to be cut back. Now, with most of these spring-flowering things, uh, you don't just go over and head them back all the way across, because that can cause poor growth um, uh, sort of a habit on it. So what you want to do is to cut out whole branches down to the point of origin, either to another branch or down to the base even, in the case of things like Philadelphas. That will encourage new growth to come through from the base and that growth will flower next year, if you do it now. If you leave it too late in the season, it won't put on enough growth and it won't flower next year and if you do it in the winter, you'll definitely lose flower.
1: A couple of good tips from Mick Lavelle and uh, don't forget uh, that... uh, Every week, we give you some extra things that you could be uh, improving your garden. That's all it's about, improving your garden here with the BBCS It's Gardening Our Podcast. Let's now look at some of those events around the county. And, well, what are we looking for? Well, I'll tell you what we're looking for. We're looking for club meetings, open gardens, anything like that to do with gardening. Send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. The Tiptree Garden Club, for instance, on Thursday the 6th of June, has Brian Carlyle. and he's talking about Pelagonians and fuchsia. Uh, He's written four books on the subject, uh, and Brian also will be bringing along Pelagonians, fuchsias and petunias for sale. The meeting, where is it? St Luke's Church Extension, Church Road, Tiptree. And it starts at 8pm, members 2pm. £2 and visitors £3. So they are, that's the Tiptree Garden Club, and you look them up. Uh, that's tiptreegardenclub.com. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I'll tell you where we go. 7th of June, we got Elwe Lodge, West Bowers Road, a garden open for the NGS. Um, 11 till 5, admission £5. Children are absolutely free. It's got homemade teas. and It's, it's an interesting place. Uh, tucked away garden in the gentle Essex countryside, it's a glorious garden. Um, it's hard to beat, actually. And join the growing number of visitors who return year on year to have a look at the flowing lawns, herbaceous borders, scented roses, clematis, all looking absolutely fantastic. Where is it? West Bowers Road, Wood and Water, CM96RZ. And that's on Friday the 7th. Going through to the 8th and 9th of June... Rose weekend at the RHS Hyde Hall, Rettenden. Go along there and see what they have on offer demonstrations and talks on roses, CM38E2. A favourite of mine as well is on the 9th, that's the Autumn Open Gardens. Been supporting them for a long time, 11 till 5. Mini buses move the people around the village so that you can get a chance to see all the different gardens. Um, the Aldham Open Gardens, uh, you pick up the bus at the Village Hall, and that's in New Road, CO63RB. Check it out, Aldham Open Gardens at gmail.com. Don't forget, go along to the Aldham Open Gardens and say Ken Crowther sent you. Um, also, Open Gardens on that day, 226 Church Lane, Nayland, CO64NH. Blake Hall Bobbingworth, Sunday the 9th, um, CM5ODG, that's uh, in aid of the National Garden Scheme. 25 acres of mature garden and it's in the historic setting of Blake Hall, um, which the hall isn't open, just thought I'd mention that. The Arboretum with broad variety of specimen trees, uh, it's got a lovely rose clambering up through ancient trees and it's got no rose garden, sweeping lawns and actually that's the place that was used during the Second World War for some of the air, air, aircraft uh, control centre. Brightling Sea going down towards the coast. 9th, Sunday, 9th again. 10.30 till 5. More, Moverons, I think it's pronounced. Homemade teas there. Beautiful, tranquil four-acre garden in touch with its surroundings and enjoying lots of things. Magnificent trees, some of them 300 years old so go along to that, absolutely fantastic, let's go over to House did now, West End Cottage Drury Lane Ridgewell, NGS Garden again, Sunday the 9th of June, uh, 10 till 5 admission, £4.50 children free, <gasps> homemade teas again, beautiful inspiring garden set out in several rooms, so that's again a spectacular garden to go and have a look at A bit of advance notice there. We like advance notice. That's about the 22nd of June. So keep those events coming. Ken.Crowther at bbc.co.uk. That's where you send your events and we will get them out on the podcast and get more people along to your event or garden opening. Sylvia, I've, yes. I'm, okay. you by, I'm calling you by the wrong name. Now that's not oh, good enough. Yeah. Now you've got serious. these little ears coming up. Now are these ears high, or do you, can you feel it's a weed, or is it, is it more it's coming over from the
9: whole the... lawn? Well, anyway, I then texted this person and sent him a photograph of it. Uh huh. He then came back and he said, unfortunately, this is meadow grass, which tends to infiltrate uh, lawns which are close to fields. When our, our field, our house is close to farmland. It's also got quite a lot of um, communal grass that's been laid. Nobody else has got this at all, not the communal land or anything. Right. As he said as it's a species of grass, there's not really a lot you can do about it. Now we cut the grass and within two days it's all these ears. It's the so course,
1: c- yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. coarse yeah. it's yeah. a coarse wide grass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah
0: Annual uh, meadow grass, yeah. And
1: it's a big, thick annual meadow grass.
9: Yes, well I don't know, that's yeah. what he's saying, but nobody else down, even our front garden hasn't got it, and that's actually facing the farmland. And
1: that's And is that the same turf that was laid in the back?
9: No, no, we had the it's with developers the turf. laid mm-hmm. the front, but we laid that ourselves 15 months ago, and it was that people have remarked on it, it's been... Really? It
1: sounds. It sounds as if, and I shouldn't put the people down, but it sounds as if it was actually in the turf in the first place, mm-hmm. it? I don't think it would have come in through fields on grass. Seed, well, annual meadow
0: grass is a really, do, really you know? common uh, weed of um, not just in lawns, but in borders Everywhere. and uh, cracks in pavement and things like that. Once it gets established, you know that, that could be uh, <clears> it only needs a few plants to get in there in the first instance.
1: And the problem is, as he he says, he's right. You can't mm. get rid of it, and the only recommendation is is regular mowing twice a. Week, which in theory, I said theory, will eradicate coarse grasses, but mm. it's hard work and very rarely gets rid of it. Does it, Mick?
0: Yeah, it's a major headache for groundsmen. That's why most football pitches now, professional pitches, are all being taken up and new grass sown. Because, yeah. yeah, and they take the top off, they shred it and compost it, and take it away. They don't. Um, they want to get rid of the little seed, because it always gets in there. Yeah, I see. So
1: we have no better answer, I'm afraid, for you,
9: Sylvia. No, no OK. Well, and, um, Face is getting longer if you've got
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. I'm sorry to not help you there at all, but um, it really is a problem. Let's go to Kath from South End. Hello, Kath.
4: Hello there. I'm listening to you every week, and I want to know, can you tell me anything about Aritimum? Now, I've got... a. Quite a pond for them. I've got all different colours. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what life
0: expectancy? Uh, well, they, they'll it's, live for several years. They are um, slightly shrubby, and so. Yes.
4: Uh, this sorry? is what I've found. Some yeah. do. Um, but am I doing right
0: and cutting the dead flowers off? So yes, cut, cut the dead flowers off and cut any sort of spindly or old sort of uh, ill, Ill uh, material out of them. The best way to sort of describe if you think about how you would treat a sage or something like that, because yeah. yeah. uh, they are a sort of similar type of growth to that, like, treat them like that. You want to try and encourage lots of new growth on them uh, yeah, as, yeah. as often as you can. They're wonderful, they are. They are, they are indeed, yeah, but we always, we always get treated as by bi- because that's convenient from the point of view of bedding, but oh. they make a, a superb border plant as well. They, they just do. don't They're look beautiful. that good. Could
4: you tell me, also, Could uh, what can I do with a tall mimosa? I've got, um, I'm 86 and it's got massive. Can yeah. I trim it or take it right down? The
0: problem with mimosa, we don't like a uh, heavy pruning once they get big. You, yeah. The normal recommendation is about this time of the year to give them a light pruning to try and keep them in a reasonable dimension.
4: And take yeah. the top out.
0: Uh, you can do, I'll give it a, a strange growth habit. I mean, yeah. um, they, if they like where they're growing, you can, you can thin them and you can cut them back. A bit shape, oh, that's oh, all. But it's just okay shaping then. them up, yeah.
4: Okay, I'll have a double.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> what you want to do, yeah.
1: Now let's, uh, let's go to Maggie from Wivenhoe. Maggie, tree peonies. Hello there. Is it tree um, peony?
5: Yeah, a tree peony and a rhododendron.
4: Both the same. they are both finished flowering. Mm-hmm. Um, do I do anything with them now?
0: With the tree peony, the main thing to do is just to cut the old um, seed heads off, uh, just to try and make sure it puts strength into growth. You thin tree peonies in the winter time. You take about usually about a quarter of the um, the older stems out to encourage new growth from the base. With the rhododendron, just deadhead it and very lightly trim it to shape it up. You don't do too much with them.
1: Now with the, I'm just going to remind you on the on the rhododendron. I know Mick just said. Dead head, but you find that it's 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 a funny art. If you use a finger and thumb Mm. and you just go to the bottom of the the flower head Mm. and just Pull it sideways; it will come out. It'll and snap that, off. Yeah, it'll yeah. snap off. But it's when you first do it, you think, "Hang on, what am I doing? Am I snapping the th- end of the plant?" No, you're
0: not. You're no. heading but, but, but the new, the new the growth, growth starts will come immediately from below that. So exactly. You don't, yeah, so don't start if you trim it too hard. You'll actually endanger flower next year because it won't have time to make the new growth and produce a flower bud. Does that help oh. you, Maggie?
5: Oh, right. Yes, it has. Yeah, it's very sticky.
4: Is that normal with it?
1: Well, rhododendrons, the, um, I would say it's a bit of aphid as well, because I've, yeah, I've done yeah. a bit of deadheading of Rhododos uh, mm. this week, and I, in fact, I found them a bit it's sticky. The, it's
0: the year of the aphid. The year time, isn't of it? the aphid. Yeah. They are everywhere. <laughs> Linda of St
1: Lawrence. Have you got aphid? No, we're talking wisterias, aren't we? Hello, Ken.
10: Yes, I've got two questions, please. Um, one's concerning the wisteria. I only had about five blooms this year, but... I have no doubt it's because I I did the wrong thing with it because I don't know how to prune it. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like a jungle now. It's everywhere. It's even climbing through the windows and through the roof. When do I cut it back, and what do I cut off? Normally, I just take the shears and, and go right across
0: it. No, well, the thing with that, you need to train in uh, some growth. Well, I mean that I'll give you a very quick thing. I'm uh, we're running out of time, but the, what you do is you shorten back all of the um, the long growth which are coming now in around about. August, uh, end of July, August, you shorten it back to about six buds and just leave these uh, shorter trails uh, coming off the uh, the main stems that you've tied in. You then go back in around about um, February time and shorten it back to th- three buds. So you prune wisteria twice in the year. And that will give you the, the dense flower without all the growth. But it's really is a case of around about end of July, cutting back all of the... Lo- you cut it away from things if it starts to get too vigorous and control where it's snaking out through your board and things like that. It can be a bit of a nuisance with steering unless you really keep on top of it.
10: Okay, thank you. Have I got time for another quick
0: Yeah, go for one. it quickly, Yep. I've
10: yeah. got a money, I've got three money plants. Um, they are the, um, the jade plant, the yeah. Chinese plant. I've got three of them. They're four or five feet high um, and they're in a front porch which is only sort of four foot wide and now they're touching the sides of the porch, and I mm-hmm. want to know whether I can cut the, the, the branches off right back to the main trunk and would it grow again?
0: Uh, don't cut them too hard, uh, but you can certainly um, you can head can them, them back. You can they? head them back, and now is the perfect time of the year to do because they'll make new growth
10: right, thank you very much, make sure
0: Thanks you feed the them after you prune them, yeah, oh, I'm glad you enjoy the programme, just, <laughs> we
1: did get sent a weed, a picture of a weed by Beverly, unfortunately we can't get the name of it, it is a pig to get rid of it has it's a, slight, a, w- a slight furriness on the leaf, yeah. which means you can't use weed killers on it very well, can you yeah, uh, it's
0: something which we, we, we've uh, got at the, uh, the university in one of the gardens and I can't think what the name of it is up the top of my head, I'm sorry
1: it is a difficult one to get rid of, but yes it is a weed, but we don't know its name uh, three shrubs in the back, south facing garden, i um, a holly four foot high, the other two privety sort of things, small leaves, very green and silver. They make lovely bush shrubs but they are very rigorous, all about three inches thick foliage and the rest is sort of stalky and branchy. Question is, does he does? Do you cut? Mark wants to know, Does he cut them back now or wait till the autumn? If they're evergreen, I, wait till
0: the autumn. Yeah, evergreen
1: yeah. do them in the autumn. But if they're out of shape, you could just tidy them up, couldn't you? you? The worst of the out of shapeness out of them, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. At Christmas, I always get that's Mark. Uh, this mm. is Mary from Stanford. Um, poinsettia. It's uh, she cut it back. It's produced red leaves, new buds turn red. Uh, never have one last so long. Does this mean it will go on till Christmas?
0: Yes, it will. Yeah, they're, they're, a, they're basically a large shrub in Mexico where they come from. So um, no reason why it shouldn't do.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC's Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, that's every Saturday in the morning at 11 o'clock here on BBC Essex. <laughs>